Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today, and today we're joined by Pam Charette. Pam, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Grayson. So thanks for listening to me and having me with you today. It's uh, good to have you, and Pam's here today to share her testimony with us. Pam, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Well, Grayson, I kind of grew up a little bit like you and your dad and just in the southern area down on uh, eastern coast of southeast Virginia and Tidewater area, Newport News, Denby. But I had relatives that were in North Carolina across the border that I would visit quite frequently. That was my grandmother, my um, paternal grandmother and grandfather, which I loved to be in the country and be out at the farm. So I grew up with a pretty good family and good experiences and had a great church growing up. So I would say, and cost myself, I would say I came from Southern roots. Well, that is um, good to hear. There's nothing like some Southern roots and some iced tea, some sweet iced tea. And there's some <laughs> things that just go along with Southern roots, aren't there, Pam? Um, there is. And I do. I must say I do like my iced tea. Yeah, I would guess that um, you and your husband, Brian, probably have different tastes when it comes to tea. Well, you know what? He now has, he has been converted. He oh, is now an IT lover. That is yes. amazing because the tea I've had Isn't in Massachusetts, the tea I've had in Massachusetts, there's no sugar in it. So that's, um, oh, I know. And it's a powdered tea. He just, he didn't even know what real tea was. <laughs> so he has recently converted. That is good to hear. It would be an easy conversion for me, I believe. But um, some, people, <laughs> some people like that unsweet tea, but well, so good to hear uh, just where you grew up recently. I have driven through there about three or four times and have really enjoyed uh, that part of the country. So, Pam, you grew up there. Was church a part of your growing up? Was that something, was there someone that it took was. you to church? Yes, both my parents, we as a family would go to church. My mom actually was the choir director at our church. Okay. And uh, my brother and I, we often would get dragged to all kinds of rehearsals. <laughs> my dad was an excellent tenor, so he had a wonderful voice, but didn't read any music. Mm-hmm. My mom uh, did have a degree in music. And uh, so she was the choir director. So we grew up with, you know, a lot of activity at church and Bible school and events and fellowship. So I have good memories of that. Is there for you, I know there's for a lot of people, they can kind of look back and they remember that one teacher, maybe a Sunday school teacher, um, that really impacted their life. Do you have that as you um, think back? Yes, absolutely. When I was in uh, middle school and into high school, we had several couples that in, it just invested time in our lives, and there was about 20 of us, and we still kind of keep connected uh, various ways, like through Facebook, but they were Mr. and Mrs. Barley. We had called them Mr. and Mrs. B., and uh, they invested in our lives um, just year after year. We had a singing group. They prayed with us. They showed us the workings of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I had a very rich um, junior high, middle school, and high school. I mean, it wasn't perfect because I was perfect. Right. And I was still uh, working through who I was to be. Um, and if you grow up in the South, the South tends to like 
the the appearance of things mm-hmm. better than what is really the heart of an issue. So as I began my high school and then my young adult years, that trying to discern between the growing up of what seemed important because my parents were the culture or uh, the way we lived kind of um, set that forth or predicted that and what really was important. So as I became a young adult, I really struggled with that, the performance issue because growing up, it was about what I did and not about who I was in the Lord. And I had a very uh, a strong sense of who God was at an early age. I remember being in nature and out and um, with animals and people, and I felt the Lord. I knew that He knew me. And I struggled with my health off and on as a young kid. I had really bad headaches and allergies and um, I just struggled, didn't feel well uh, for a lot of the days in my elementary age and on. And I knew he was with me, but there's that line between what people wanted me to do and what God wanted me to do. And it was it was hard because what people wanted me to do always seemed right. It looked good. And in the South, and in my family, doing what was right was important. And I think they were trying to instill in me a great work ethic. But for some reason along the way, it was never stated. No one ever said, you have to do this to be liked. Somehow, it became a stronghold that if I didn't do well, if I didn't do this, or if I didn't look this way or behave this way, I wouldn't be accepted. And that was probably the major struggle through my young adult life. So there's blessings of growing up in the south and just the wonder of family and so beautiful and just watermelon and you know staying up late in the summer and I just those those times I remember being barefoot at Christmas running around the farm at my grandmother's house but yet there's some reason somehow the institution of how things were done in my family I'm not saying this as a whole mm-hmm. but in my family I I did pick that up and I even to this day I'm not sure why that became a stronghold, but somehow the enemy just used that and knew that he could put his finger down on me, and I would never feel that I was good enough until I had to do these lists of things. And I would say that has been the hardest struggle for me as a young adult and and uh, maturing as well. Well, Pam, hearing you uh, talk about you know how you grew up and fond memories that you had, but also you know how it was kind of a struggle is what it sounded like to me between pleasing people and pleasing God and how Mm -hmm. that struggle continued into your young adult uh, years. What was kind of the point where you came and realized, I don't know if it was a one moment or if it was over time process of growing out of that and not really worrying about pleasing people and things like that, and knowing that pleasing God is ultimately, uh, and having a relationship with Him was what was most important. I would say that into my college years, as I recommitted my life, I began to really seek, and I had such a great foundation, but just like every young person at some point, you have to make that step. You got to step off that precipice where mom and dad and family, they're not there, and you're, and you're thinking, Am I going to go, am I going to fall or am I going to keep going? You know, am I out and safe? Who's going to catch me? And I think that would happen in my college years that um, I recommitted my life. And I'm going to tell you, 
you would not even have known me because when I was in elementary school, in middle school, in early high school, I was so shy when I was in public. I was still an extrovert, but I was so shy and so mm. bound. In fact, you I know this is odd, hard to believe those people that know me, but on my report card when I was in elementary school, it said she, she needs to talk more. <laughs> my, my husband was like, no way. <laughs> But so as I became older, and I even remember sort of the season is that when the Lord took over my life, there was this freedom. And I did not do well standing in front of people. And I couldn't, I was musical and I performed a lot in um, different types of plays and, and musical um, performances. But uh, I just struggled with nerves and this fear and this panic would overcome me. It would start in my feet and it would just move up and it would grip me. And I know it was fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of failure. Mm. But when I recommitted my life, the Holy Spirit just moved through me. And I would, and there's something about when you stand up to play and you're not being judged by a performance, but you're playing from your heart to please the one that needs to be pleased. There's such freedom in that. Oh my goodness. And so now I can give myself a little grace. I'm still working on that. But um, when you have to please the one, the one that's the most important audience, that's where the freedom comes. Yeah. And I mean, if you're a, if you're a people pleaser, I wouldn't say I'm a people pleaser, but I'm, I am very sensitive to what's going on around me and people and their needs and feelings. And so I'm very attuned to it without really having to put any effort. I'm not saying that, uh, I disregard others in that it's easy for me now not to worry about what people think, but there is such freedom when you are just focusing on the Lord and you just want to please Him. Yeah, you know, Pam, as you were talking, and, and we've ta- we talk on the podcast, um, we talk on here often about, you know, when we're raised in the church, we're kind of growing up on our parents' coattails. You know, we're hanging right. on to their faith, and it just sounds to me like, as you were doing that more, maybe even um, humanly trying to add up to what people wanted, the difference between that and coming to this relationship with Jesus and relying on him, um, it all changed for you. Well, it was a step because when I was 22, I just graduated from college. And um, the following fall, I lost my mom. My mom died to liver cancer. So she was she was like my friend. She was my partner. She was my creative cohort. I have one brother, and he uh, and my dad were close and did a lot of things together. And uh, my mom and I did a lot of things mm-hmm. together. So, 22, stepping out into the precipice of adulthood, the entire foundation for me that I that you feel, and I, I wouldn't say that it was an idol or anything, because you just you love your parents. And my sure. mom passed away suddenly in surgery for liver cancer. So one minute she's in surgery, the next minute they call, she's gone. And so I have not had a mom my entire adult life. There hasn't been that person that you just call and they give you encouragement. There hasn't been that person that you just go to their house and you just sit because that's your house. So I've never had that. And I do try to provide that for my girls, just that home feeling that this is safe. Mm -hmm. This is a place where you can be you. Um, but I have to say that it's hard and it's devastating and as tragic as it was, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be the person I am today. 
because there was no one left to lean on. Mm. No one. My dad was just totally devastated. I've never had him. He was in bed until I got home. I'm a 22-year-old, planning a funeral, taking care of everything. Mm. Um, my dad finally perks up. He sees me and my family's around. And it was difficult because I just have one brother. And my mom was the one that kind of held everything together. So we were a small family, now even smaller. But the only person I could rely on was the Lord. I mean, that was it. There was no other foundation. So, you know, I laughed because I, I learned how to do cleaning and everything later because I didn't have anybody to show me. And there were times when people would leave and I'm like, oh my goodness, after I found out later, I'm like, I didn't know you were supposed to clean that part or whatever. And not that I didn't clean, it's just that I hadn't been focused on it because I wasn't an adult yet, you know. But, <laughs> but um, there is something about when you have that complete loss or you feel that loss um, in your family, whether it's a spouse or a parent or a sibling, that you realize that life is, is very fragile and, um, but there is the one that can hold you up and there are people around you that the Lord uses to give you that strength mm-hmm. when you can't do it. Um, so my first year of teaching, and I just remember being exhausted, but, but the Lord was my strength mm-hmm. and the stronghold. And I even look back now and I'm like, I don't know how I did some of the things I did because you go through grief and you're young and you're stressed and, but he's always been good. So I would say that this whole the issue of stepping out the precipice of understanding who God is in me and understanding how to please the one that's the only one that's worthy of being pleased and not to, and to lean on him only So some of the comforts and the people that I had around me that were always around me mm-hmm. that weren't really began a change in me. So the freedom began little by little. And I can't even imagine what you went through, uh, you know, as a, 20 couple something year old uh, losing um, a mom but it sounds like from what you've shared with us that God really used that to draw you closer to him and to cause you to rely on him more um, because um, like you said your mom was kind of the one that held everything together so uh, just uh, some of the things that the Lord taught you through that experience or through that tragedy well I learned that Grieving takes time. Memories do fade, but uh, you still have a, a sense of loss. Even though she's been gone 34 years, I barely, I don't remember every detail, but there's still that grief there. And you have to give yourself time to grieve. But when you really seek and want the Lord's saving grace in your life, He just, and it simply could just be a prayer Lord, I need you today. I'm so weak today. I need your grace. I need your my mind to be clear. I need my heart to be light. Just those little things, uh, those simple prayers. They're always answered. They're faithful as faithful can be. That's powerful, Pam. Um, just to think back over uh, your life, and I just I keep going back to um, what you shared with us about that couple that God had placed in your life. I wonder what they went through to make them want to be there for you guys. I'm sure there was something in their heart that led them to that place of ministry, and they had such compassion for a group of teenagers, and they were there for you um, in a time where I believe that you needed them, and I think you you still are connected to some of that group from what you said earlier, I believe. So, yeah, so in fact, I, I, was, I was there, I guess, this summer back near home, and I went and visited them, and it was good to see them. 
you know, they had children that were my age, one a little older, one my age and one younger, but they were just steadfast in ministering to young people, even when their kids were up and grown. I think they just, they decided to plug into a church through the good and through the bad, through the different paths, through the changes. And you know how people come and go. Oh, yeah. We get one generation and moves on. And they were just, they were motivated to comfort and teach a bunch of ragtag high school kids what the Lord was about, how the Word confirmed who He was, and just to help us to be transformed into adults that wanted to be obedient to the Lord. Yeah, and just to think about that connection being so deep that just this summer you went to see them. And, you know, when you yes. and when you go to see them, they know your life. It's not like some of the people maybe that are your friends in Harrisonburg that don't know that history. And just the connections right, yes. are deep. I don't know. It has this, I don't know, profound impact on me in these moments of how important it is uh, for us to invest right. in whoever God places in our life and how that, that can be like they still are ministering to you and you are probably ministering to them as well over the years. I'm sure you have. Yes. We pray for each other on Facebook. We keep each other posted for those that maybe having spouses or children or family that are struggling with health issues or so so that we can pray and support each other. And, wow. You know, children are wonderful. Kids are not always easy to be around, but, um, the Lord certainly can plant and do a lot of change. I teach middle school, so sometimes I wonder, what am I doing? <laughs> really making a difference. You know, and as a parent and as a teacher, I can be one that says to these families and these parents and these kids, I'm like, they do change. What we don't want is them to stay where they are. Right. They do change. Well. And, um, just being patient and watching, but everything, everything you put in won't go away. The Lord will use it at some point. Well, I have no doubt about that. And it really impacts me that you're doing exactly what that couple did for you. Like you're taking what that couple, the investment that they made in you, and you've given your life really to invest in other people's children. And uh, that's powerful. Yes, I would say that I know one of your questions was, what are you called to do? And I don't think I have a absolute for what God has for me. It's been kind of a one thing and a transition from one moment to another. But I do know that um, he somehow has used me to be a teacher. And um, and until he, he calls me to something else, that's where I'll be. And because I do teach in a Christian school, I do get a chance to, to minister and talk through things and let them hear the word. Mm-hmm. and teach the word and um it's a scary thing and some days are better than others but in the long run when you see the lord making changes in people because they hear the word of god and it starts to affect them in how they think mm-hmm. and how they see themselves you know his power is shown and he has a mighty arm in the churches today and with the young people that can be a wonderful um, generation full of strength when the Lord moves in to these young people. It gets exciting if you're around a group of people who know the Lord, especially young people. You do get filled with this excitement, this overflowing joy of um, seeing them excited about who He is. And it, it affects you. Oh, it definitely certainly. gives you your, your joy. 
Well, Pam, I know I can speak uh, from working with the teens and a lot of those years and right now with the middle schoolers in the teen group, that that's a pivotal age where you can really have a huge impact on them. So I wanted to encourage you, and um, that's certainly a high calling as a teacher to minister to kids, and certainly the uh, relationships you build with them and the example that you lead for them, especially um, a Christ-like example for them, will be something that they will remember down the road where they might not remember what subject you're teaching or what specific subject in class that they're being taught, but that Christian example uh, like you said, uh, that other couple that you've stayed in contact, how they were an example to you and how Pastor Margaret said you're doing uh, to those kids uh, the same thing. You're providing the same type of example for them that that couple did for you. What is something, here is something I thought of in hearing you talk about today's generation. What are maybe one or two things that you can share that would encourage people about today's generation or gives you hope in today's generation and today's young people? I am encouraged when I hear young people take truth and apply it to their lives. Mm. Don't underestimate them. They may act young, but usually their minds and their interests are higher. They have a higher interest level. They are able to take in a lot more information than you would think. Now, their behavior and their maturity and developmentally, they're not adults yet, but they will be. And it's so exciting to me when I um, watch my students, you know, take information from we've been studying minor and major prophets. And I'm like, how would this play out today? What would you say if you were a prophet today? And they can pick that up and run with it. And they're basing it on the truth and the word of God, you know, not hearsay, not Facebook, not television, but they're actually taking information that has lasted for generation after generation that is truth, and they can apply it today. And they hopefully, as they grow and change, their minds and their heart will start to catch up, and they'll begin to walk in that and live in it as well as be able to recite it to me. I mean, you know, if you grow up in the Christian church, you learn to hear the right thing, and you hear the words of Scripture. But then as they begin to grow and step out, step off that precipice into their own life, that they'll begin to walk and live in that way. What a joy. And I know the Lord celebrates that. So everything we do for our youth, and every time the, the um, joy group or the older uh, congregation in our church ministers or they come together, it blesses me because I think younger kids learn so much from the older generation. And I think the older generation really gets uh, joy and excitement and fulfillment out of being with the young as well. You know, Pam, I just thought just came to my mind. I have someone, I would call her a new friend. Um, She's in her 20s. And as we've come to know one another, we realize that we have some mutual friends. And it just so happens that she went to Blue Ridge Christian School, and when she told me that, the first person that she spoke of was you, and of course, I can't tell you her name right now, wouldn't do that, I'll tell you later, but um, she had such high praises for you, and um, she loved being one of your students, and it's just interesting that that came to my mind right now, that, you know, you're making an impact, and I've been in your classroom, and you're a fun teacher, invited in a few times to do 
um, an extra. That's right. That's a, right. A, an activity with the students. Help, right? Yeah, but eighth they graders. All, they always um, they were having a good time, but I know they were learning as well. And she's just a beautiful um, young Christian girl. Um, but yeah, she speaks um, highly of those days. I know that you have um, a family. We could, you know, talk for a long time about your family and what they're doing and what God has done since we've heard about the school piece, but there's been so much more that has happened in your life. I don't know if there's anything that you want to share, um, maybe uh, how God has worked personally in your family life or anything else that you want to share with us um, that we haven't asked you about. Well, it, it does bring to mind that my first child, Suzanne, Suzanne Meredith, uh, was born in 92. She was born two months early at 32 weeks. And I was rushed over the mountain in an ambulance. They were trying to prevent her early delivery and was ended up at EVA. She was born the day after, put in uh, uh, NICU newborn intensive care. So it was a month of me getting people to drive me back over the mountain um, to be there with her. And, you know, you're young. My husband and I, he's an intellect. And, and I guess I'm kind of an intellect. I don't know. I'm more of a feeler. But, you know, we knew that from previous friends that had preemies that they watch and see how often you make contact, where you're going to be able to take this baby home, et cetera. So, you know, again, the performance thing kicks in. You know, we were like trying to do everything until the point I was so exhausted that I just kind of fell asleep on the floor in one of the waiting rooms, and they were paging me to come feed her. Mm. And then they told me, just go home. Mm. And um, we had... uh, Struggle hoping that she would be well. She was. A month later, we brought her home. A year later, she um, had some complications with an antibiotic and her um, second-year vaccine. And somehow the combination caused her to swell, which uh, pressed on her brain and gave her uh, some damage in her cerebellum area. So suddenly, I'm a mom of this one-year-old, and he was walking and toddling. I guess she was a little older than that, maybe about one, 14 months, 15 months. She couldn't walk. She didn't have any of her fine motor. She couldn't feed herself anymore. She couldn't stand up. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm like, well, she's screaming. I'm like, she was fine. So uh, through a lot of doctor's appointments and neurologists, they finally found out that she had had some damage. She didn't have balance. So we began this protocol to help her. But I do remember when Brian and I had dropped her off. At the hospital, we went to get something to eat. And I remember just sitting there looking at each other. And we just said, Lord, help our unbelief. Mm. You know, we just, when you're here looking at what you see is in front of you doesn't match up with what you know to be God. What do you do? We just say, help our unbelief. Um, We've been through some loss before. We had seen hard times. And we were hoping and praying that this wasn't going to be another one. We wanted to see God move. Now, he did. We brought her home, and over a long period of time, she did start to do much better. She still has some of the symptoms and has learned to deal with it. But at that time, we got this letter because we had some friends, and we sent some description to the Mayo Clinic. And we get this letter that says your child has this degenerative nerve disease, and it'll probably shorten their lifespan. Mm. But I remember just sitting in the kitchen with the letter. I just looked at it, and I threw it across the room. I'm like, I don't believe this. (laughs) I don't believe it, and I'm not going to believe it. Mm. <laughs> you know, and um, there's a long kind of a story about the process of helping her with rehab and development and um, just how the Lord would give me insight and do things that would play or things to help her get a little strengthened. But, yeah, when it's the time between what you see 
does not match up with what you know to be true or how you know God to be. You're like, are you going to let me down? Is this going to be a hard one that you're going to have to walk me through? Or are we going to be victorious? You know, I don't have to say our situation and there are many others that aren't. He answers in a different way. It's always victorious, but he answers in a different way. For our daughter, she started to gain strength and has learned to walk and stand up again. Um, But that was a hard time. Mm. It was a very hard time. And in the midst of it, I was carrying our second child. Wow. And I said, oh, you are so at peace right now. You're missing this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so... (laughs) And she came out just a peaceful little thing. That was Aubrey. She was my peaceful, uh, quiet. She's strong, but, you know, she's different. I said, you missed the whole thing. But uh, the Lord has given me a wonderful love for my family. My girls are my love, and I say they're, they're different. But they're, as you know, as a mom, Margaret, that every child is a different way. And I say, Suzanne is my pride and joy, and Aubrey is my heart's delight. Mm. And that's how they affect me. They're different. Yeah. But they're still mine. Oh, yeah. Uniquely from, made. From the Lord. Yeah. Uniquely, <laughs> yeah, made. uniquely made. For a purpose. From the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, Pam, that was a great story of God's uh, miraculous power and his work in our lives if we just trust him and even in difficult situations, uh, he can do miracles. Thank you for joining us yes. on Front Porch Talks today. Thank you all. Thank you. And blessings to you all, and I thank for all you you do, and this show as well. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that uh, Pam Charette's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.